0: If you brought a Bible, go please to the book of Galatians. It's a New Testament book, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 30 this morning. We're continuing and concluding our sermon series today on the homemaker, and I want to share with you out of this uh, book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 30 and 31 this morning. God's promises for your family are great. We began this series by describing to you what God said through the prophet Isaiah about your family. He said your family would be like the garden of Eden, like the garden of God. How many of you want that in your family? A place of full, complete, and undisturbed provision. And the Bible also says in the book of Deuteronomy, To impress the word of God upon the hearts of your children when you walk in the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And God said, and your days shall be like the days of heaven on earth. How many of you would like your family life to be like heaven on earth? Some of you don't seem brave enough to believe that this morning. But Jesus taught us to pray this way. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. You don't have to die to go to heaven. You can have heaven on earth right here, right now, in your home. Say amen, somebody. The psalmist said, I would have given up if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God, not in heaven, but the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right here, right now, in this world, in this moment in time. I expect to see the goodness of God. God's blessing is on your family, and God's blessing was on the family of the patriarch Abraham, who we're going to talk about this morning. God blessed his family in such a way that he spoke, because that's what a blessing is. It's a declaration. God said, I will bless you, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, And I will make you a blessing, and in you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. The blessing of God is on your family. I want you to say that this morning. God's blessing is on my home. One more time. God's blessing is on my home. Let's say it three times just to make it, to seal the deal. God's blessing is on my home. Do you believe it or not? Say amen. But today we're going to address why sometimes the blessing isn't manifested. Because God's blessing is on your home. God has declared it so. But today we're going to deal with some reasons why the blessing is not manifested in the Christian home. And the Bible says, Galatians chapter 4, verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Father, we dare to believe this morning that you have spoken life and blessing. Over every home in this church. We dare to believe this morning that that blessing can and will be manifested in our homes and in our lives. I pray this morning for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you might anoint me to preach and teach the word of the living God, that the words that I speak will be your words to our hearts. And I pray that you would anoint our hearing, that we might hear the word and receive it as seed sown in the fertile soil of our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. A little more monitor, please. You may be seated this morning in the house of the Lord. The family of Abraham was a blessed family. God had spoken and declared blessing over them. And yet there were some things that were hindering the blessing upon that home. This morning, I want to uh, encourage you to think about these things because they are going to be Uh, important as you walk through life to be able to identify what some of these things are and be able to root them out of your home life and of your personal life. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 12 that God called to Abraham and he said to him, leave Ur of the Chaldees, leave your homeland and your relatives and your father and go to a land that I will show you. But if you read the passage carefully, you understand that when Abraham left, he left in obedience to God. The scripture says that he left, but he took Terah with him. Terah was his father, and he also took with him Lot. Lot was his nephew. We find uh, that in that little detail, there is an important message for us this morning. You see, God didn't call Terah. And God didn't call Lot. God had called Abram. And Abram took along with him some people that were not intended by God to be a part of the story that God was writing, nor were they intended by God to be an element that would contribute to the life of Abraham. Instead, they were going to be takers in his life. And one of the great perils that a family can get into, or that a person can get into, is carrying around baggage that doesn't belong to them. Say amen, somebody. Listen, you have enough with the with the suitcases that you have to carry. You don't need anybody else's baggage, you don't need anybody else's problems, and yet Abram is now going to go on a journey, a journey of faith a journey called and sanctioned by God, a journey to the promised land, but he has taken along with him people that are not a part of God's blessing for his life. When God says to leave something, he means leave. And when God says leave your father and your country, he means leave your father and your country. Now, no doubt the emotional attachment which Abraham had to Terah was great, and so he didn't want to leave his father. The results of this decision would be haunting him for the rest or for a good part of the journey. And I just want to share with you before we get into details here that our decisions will make our life. The decisions you made yesterday are affecting your life today. And the decisions you make today are going to affect your life tomorrow. Decisions have consequences. I don't know if you realize that or not, but every decision you make has a consequence. If you make a decision to disregard God, to disregard the word of God or the teaching of God's word, I can promise you there are going to be consequences in your life. How many of you have experienced that? And if you decide to obey God, to be obedient to his word, to follow him and to do it his way, guess what? There's going to be good consequences for that in your life. How many of you know that? And so decisions are going to have consequences in our life just like they had in the life and the family of Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham took with him Terah. Now here is the important clue I want you to notice. God called Abraham. Everybody say, God called Abraham. And so Abraham leaves with his family and with Terah, and they're journeying to the promised land. But if you read chapter 11 of the book of Genesis, it says that Terah led Abraham to Haran. I want you to just think about that for a minute. Who did God call? Why then is Terah the one leading? If God called Abraham, why is he being led by someone that God did not call? Listen, friends, here's the first problem that comes into Abraham's home is that he decides to listen to a voice other than the voice of God. And any time that you and I decide to listen to a voice other than the voice of God, we're going to reap the fruit of that decision. Aaron, pardon, Terah was not called by God. He was not anointed by God. This was not his responsibility and yet now the called one is being led by someone who has not been called. I feel this morning that we need to deal with this issue because there may be a life today that's being led by a voice other than the voice of the Holy Spirit. And God has sent me to you this morning to get you before it's too late to tell you there is only one voice worth listening to. There is only one voice worth obeying, and it is the voice of God. Say amen, somebody. You can avoid a great deal of trouble in your life by just listening to God. If you listen to God, it will be cheaper. It will take less time, and you will see the blessing of God in your life. Every voice that's leading you, that's not the voice of God, is going to bring destruction and delay into your life. And that is exactly what happens with Abraham. The Bible says they came to a place called Haran, and when they arrived in Haran, uh, the Bible says that Terah, Abraham's father, settled there. Now, we don't really know why they settled in Haran, but there is a clue in the text That may imply as to why they settled in Haran. The Bible tells us earlier in the chapter that Terah, Abraham's father, had three sons. And one of those sons was named Haran. And Haran died in the presence of his father. So very likely in the past there was a tragedy in this family. There was a tragedy uh, in the life of Terah in which he saw his son die. Now, I think that's probably the the worst experience for any parent to see a child die. To lay a child to rest is the most unnatural thing in human experience. The son is supposed to bury the father. Not the father bury the son. And yet, this has happened in the life of uh, uh, of Terah. And Terah has buried his son. And this traumatic experience has marked his life. To such an extent that while he's on a journey to the promised land, there is an inheritance that God has given to Abram. When he arrives in Haran, something happens to him, and he decides to sit right there and to settle. And the Bible says that Terah settled in Haran. Here's what I want you to understand. That you cannot afford to settle. There are so many things that God wants to do in your life and in the life of your family, you cannot afford to settle. Maybe he settled because of an emotional attachment to the past. He was looking backward instead of forward. He was looking at yesterday instead of tomorrow. And friends, when you have a yesterday that's bigger than your tomorrow, you're in big trouble. Your life's going to sputter and stall. You're going to get delayed and you're going to stop instead Instead of progressing to the place that God has for you to go. Tell your neighbor, don't settle. This morning, God has a simple instruction for you. Don't settle. Tell him again. You need to refuse to settle. I want you to say this with me this morning. I refuse to settle. Is there anybody in here that has refused to settle? Anybody in here that says, no matter what, Come what may, I will not settle. This is not it. This is not as far as I can go. This is not all that I can do. And this is not all that God wants to do in my life. I refuse to settle. Come on, somebody. You've got to refuse to settle. Too many times the enemy tempts us to settle. He, se- he tempts us to settle for a counterfeit or a cheap copy. He wants you to settle for a Dr. Thunder instead of having a Dr. Pepper. Say amen, somebody. He wants you to settle for something that is next to the best. But you don't have to settle for what's next to the best. If you will listen to the voice of God, you can have everything that God has spoken to your life. Come on. God has said that your family can be like the Garden of Eden. Some of you are settling for Olive Garden. It's nice, but it's not Eden. Say amen, somebody. You've got to refuse to settle. You've got to refuse to say this is as far as I can go or this is all that I can have. God has a life of blessing and abundance for you. Job chapter 17 and verse 9, it says the righteous will move forward. Say that with me. The righteous will move forward. Listen, I don't know what happened in your past. I'm sure it was difficult. I'm sure it was traumatic. Maybe it was painful. But if you live back there, you cannot arrive in the promised land. And listen, Terah settled and Abraham settled with him. That means that when you settle, it affects your whole family. When a father settles, it affects his marriage and it affects his children. When a mother settles, it it affects her marriage and it affects her children. You've got to decide, I am not going to settle. There's more that God has for me than what I have seen. And when you look through the word of God, when you study the scriptures and you begin to see by faith. All the promised land that God has for you. You need to rise up and say, I'm not stopping until I see this manifested in my life. Until I see this manifested in the lives of my children. Come on, somebody. God wants you to go forward. The righteous always go forward. Here's the second problem. Abraham took with him Lot. Lot was his nephew, the son of the man who died. And the Bible tells us, if you study the original Hebrew, that lot means blind spot. And I'm sure you all have heard of blind spots. You realize that blind spots are very dangerous. When you're driving a car, you have mirrors, and uh, you have the ability to turn and look around at you to see what's going on. But there are blind spots. And if you're not careful, there might be a car in your blind spot And if you're not watching, it can cause an accident. It can bring uh, destruction into your life when you are not watchful of the blind spots that occur in your life. And, And for Abraham, he brought along with him Lot, and Lot was a blind spot. It was a place where he didn't have clear vision, clear understanding of what God wanted to do in his life. There are blind spots that occur in families and in homes. And this morning I just want to challenge you to be real honest with God and to say, Lord, if there's a blind spot in my life, I want to know about it. If there's anything that I can't see that is hindering me from having the full blessing of God in my life, I want you to reveal it and I want you to take it out of my life. You know that the Pharisees had a blind spot. The Bible uh, tells us about the Pharisees who had the blind spot of pride and they never could see Jesus. They never were able to receive Jesus as the Messiah because their pride and their arrogance acted as a blind spot so that they couldn't see who Jesus really was. The Bible also tells us about David. David had the blind spot of resentment. David resented his son Absalom. As an, in, as an adversary or an enemy, but he didn't realize he was actually losing a son. What he didn't realize was that there was more to losing Absalom than just defeating an enemy. He was actually about to lose a member of his own household. He was about to lose his own son because of the blind spot of resentment. Maybe this morning you have some resentment in your life. And that resentment has created a blind spot where you cannot see some of the members of your family anymore. You cannot see what needs to really take place in a particular situation. Then there's the blind spot of prejudice. We see that in Jonah. Jonah would rather see a city destroyed than repent so that he would not have to bow his prejudice to the love and mercy of God. These blind spots are dangerous for a family. They're dangerous in a marriage. They're dangerous in a home. I want to ask you a question. Have you stopped seeing your husband? Have you stopped seeing your wife? Have you stopped seeing your children? Has a blind spot come in to the place where you can no longer see them? You know, sometimes we get blind spots in our lives. And all we can see in other people is the faults the things that they've done wrong, the past mistakes, the errors of their way. All we can see is how they failed us, how they let us down. But if you remember, when you first fell in love with that man or that woman, they couldn't do anything wrong. Their their feet didn't stink, and, uh, and their breath didn't smell. They were always perfect and uh, and that's because love covers a lot of those things it takes the faults out of the way and it helps you to see the goodness in a person but when when you get into the flesh those blind spots begin to emerge and you begin to only see what's wrong you begin to only see the the faults in another person and that becomes toxic to every relationship it becomes toxic in every home. And God wants to heal those blind spots this morning because they're more than just an inconvenience. Blind spots are spiritually dangerous. Listen, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 13, verse 14, that when Lot left, the Lord spoke. The Bible said that God, uh, pardon, Abraham called Lot and he said, Look, uh, look, nephew, you're going to have to go your way. I'm going to have to go my way. We're going to have to part ways. He said, you pick any part of the land you want to go to. And if you go that way, I'll go that way. And if you go that way, I'll go that way. But we're going to split up. We've got to go our separate ways. Listen, this is a hard decision. But you've got to make up your mind that whatever it is that is bringing dissension and division and brokenness into your home has to go. Say amen, somebody. That you have to be willing to say, you go your way, and I'm going to go my way because we can't live together peaceably. And the Bible says that when Lot left, God spoke. When Lot left the scene, now the blind spot was out of the way. Now uh, Abraham was able to hear from God. That's why blind spots are so dangerous, not just because they're inconvenient, but because they're hindering you from being able to see what God wants you to see and from being able to hear what God wants you to hear. So this morning, you need to make an honest assessment and say, Lord, heal the blind spots in my life. Give me clarity. Give me vision. Is there any dark area in my life? Turn the lights on. Give me your word. Give me understanding. Give me discernment. Don't don't let me fall. Pray to this thing in my life. Now, here's the third problem that came into the family of Abram. The Bible said that while Abram was journeying to uh, the promised land, that he went into Egypt and Egypt was never part of God's plan for Abraham yet he went into Egypt and when he came out of Egypt the Bible said that he brought with him in the in the tent of Sarah a maid or a young lady as a slave and this young lady's name was Hagar here we go again with some more baggage that doesn't belong to them here they go again taking another problem into their house that's not their problem listen Somebody else's drama is not your drama. Say amen, somebody. Don't bring it into your house. You don't have to to take any baggage that doesn't belong to you. But here they go. They take this slave girl into their house. Time passes. She becomes a young woman, no doubt. And the Bible says that Abraham, because he was waiting to have a son, and Sarah could not have children, Sarah said to Abraham, she said, Come here, Abraham, I have a plan. And uh, he he listened very attentively, and she said, "Uh, you're going to go and sleep with my slave girl, Hagar, and then uh, she'll be pregnant, and whatever child she has, that will be your heir. And Abraham said, okey-dokey, that will work for me. How many of you know this is a bad idea? This thing stinks. This is going to go south real quick. And they have a child together. The child's name is Ishmael. And for a while, there was, it was okay because Ishmael was the only boy in the house. But then the Bible said that God opened up Sarah's womb. And Sarah had a child. And that child's name was? Come on, church. What was his name? That's what I thought. I thought you knew that. The child's name was Isaac. And this was the child of promise. Now, uh, God had told Abraham I'm not going to bless Ishmael. And Ishmael and the Lord and Abraham said, "Lord, just bless Ishmael. If you'll just bless Ishmael, we'll be done with this problem. We can move on." God said, "I will not bless Ishmael. In Sarah and in her son will my blessing rest. In Isaac and in his seed will the blessing rest." And so God refused to bless Ishmael because Isaac was on the way. And when Isaac came into the scene, the Bible said there began to be friction. And there began to be tension, no doubt. This tension began to grow until the moment that Isaac was having a birthday party. He had grown up um, uh, to a certain degree, and they were celebrating this mile marker in his life. And while they were celebrating, Ishmael began to mock him. Ishmael began to to, uh, mock the purpose, the plan, and the promise of God on the life of Isaac. And when Sarah saw this, Sarah had herself a fit. And uh, Sarah called Abraham again. And she said, come here, Abraham. We're going to talk now. And here's what I want you to realize. That Sarah brought Hagar into her tent. And it was Sarah that created this mess. And this is very important this morning. Because some of you right now are living with the fruit of decisions that you made. I'm going to just be quiet for a moment and let that settle down. Don't you hate having to eat the fruit of decisions that you made? Bad decisions? Have you ever had to deal with the results of a bad decision? And there's nobody to blame. This is my problem. I created this problem. I made this mess. Sarah is now living with the result of walking in unbelief. She's living with the fruit of walking in the flesh. Because that's what Hagar represents. Hagar represents any person that tries to do God's will man's way. It repre- Hagar represents the desire to fulfill and gratify the purposes of God with the agency of the flesh. You know what the Bible says about the flesh? The Bible said that the flesh cannot please God. Did you hear that? The flesh cannot please God. God will never bless the flesh. God will never help the flesh accomplish anything. The flesh, the Bible says, is in hostility toward God. And now Sarah is living in the the result of the flesh decision that she made. And that's some bitter fruit. There is some bitter fruit that comes with walking by the flesh and doing things by the flesh. If you've ever been there, then you know what I am talking about. She is living with the result of this decision but here's what I want you to know, because this story doesn't end just like that. This isn't just God calling our attention to the fact that we have to live with the consequences of bad decisions. No, this is God this morning telling you this: that the same person that created the problem has the authority to change the problem. Say amen, somebody. The same Sarah that made the mess is the same Sarah that's going to clean up the mess. Say amen, somebody. You are not helpless. And you are not subject to chance events in your life and things just randomly happening in your life. You have authority and power to change and to challenge the things that are going on in your life. Say amen, somebody. Sarah calls Abraham and she tells him, cast out this bondwoman and her son. I want you to kick them out. Take the slave and her son and put them out of my house. And the Bible said that Abraham was not in agreement with Sarah. He was troubled by this because the girl was the the mother of his child. The child was his. And there was an emotional connection there, an emotional attachment there. And he went to God and he wanted God to take his side. Have you ever wanted God to take your side? Sometimes people come to me for counseling. A couple comes to me for counseling. What they really want is they want me to take their side. And you can see this quarrel going on in this house. And Sarah has created this problem. I want you to see this this morning. She created the problem. She's on this side. This is her mess. But then she changes sides. She changed her mind. She got some clarity. She got some vision. She said, Uh Uh-oh, I've made a mistake. I've made a decision, and I'm reaping the rewards of it. But now I'm going to change that decision, and I'm going to walk in agreement with God. And that's the simplest decision that you can make this morning listen God will give you the opportunity to repent say amen somebody God will give you the opportunity to change your mind to change your perspective to change the way that you're thinking about it she changed sides she changed her mind and now you have Abraham and Abraham is trying to to settle the problem he's trying to make a deal he's trying to say you know let's just work this out I, I don't want to kick my son and his mother out of the house. But you see, what's, what Hagar represents is the flesh. You cannot make deals with the flesh. You cannot make deals with the, the fruit of the flesh. You can't make deals with the way of the world. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to live God's way. I'm going to honor God. Say Amen, somebody. Now notice this picture. Abraham's in the middle now, and he's trying to decide, all right, Lord, whose side are you on? And God comes into the tent, and he stands next to Sarah. He says, do what she tells you to do. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For, because Sarah said, my son will not be an heir, with this woman's son. Isaac will not share his inheritance with Ishmael. Nothing that God has given to my son is going to be given to someone else. Listen. I don't want you to get mixed up in the emotional connections here. I want you to realize this. Sarah was prophesying. She was declaring something about her family and about her son and you need to do like Sarah did this morning and say my inheritance is not going to be shared with the flesh or with the world or with the devil. Come on somebody. You've got to make up your mind my inheritance my children's inheritance is going to belong to me and my children. We're not going to share our peace with the world. We're not going to give our joy away. We're not going to give our blessings away. Come on, somebody. We've done that long enough. We've done that far enough. It's time for a change. It's time to kick this thing out of our house. The same person that created the problem is the person that God has given the authority to change the problem. Why? Because God has given you free will. He's given you the right to choose, the right to decide. And when Sarah changes her mind, she repents. She gets on God's team. She gets in agreement with God. She's now standing in agreement with God. And here's what happened. God gets in agreement with Sarah. Sarah. Let me tell you, friend, there is nothing in the world like a man or a woman with whom God is in agreement. And a man or a woman who God is standing beside to say, I'm going to follow you, I'm going I'm to follow up your word with power. And authority. Listen, this morning God is speaking to your heart and he's saying to you, if you'll agree with me, if you'll get behind me, if you'll do it my way, I will stand beside you and I will back you up. I will back you up in every challenge that you face and I will support you with my presence, my authority, and my word. How many of you could use some backup this morning? I said, how many of you could use some backup this morning? You know, there's no better backup than God. God gets behind you, nothing can stop you. And The Bible says that when Paul talks about this, he says, what does the scripture say? Sarah's words were prophetic utterances. They became scripture. They became the word of God. Because she came into agreement with God and now God is in agreement with her. Parents, let me tell you this, you have more authority and more power than you think you have. You have spiritual authority and prophetic power in your words. I want to share with you this morning, if you are dealing with the consequences of bad decisions that you have made for your family, this morning is an opportunity that God is saying, it's time to cast out the bondwoman and her son. It's time to change the way you think. It's time to change the way you feel about it. It's time to change your perspective and get on God's side. Instead of begging God to get an agreement with you, you need to get an agreement with God. And when you get an agreement with God, God will be in agreement with you. Say amen, somebody. God will support you and back you up. But this morning, he wants you to cast some things out. To say, this has to go. It stayed long enough in my life. If you continue reading the book of Galatians, you will find what the fruit of the flesh is. The Bible says this, that the fruit of the flesh is obvious, it's evident. What is it? Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, lustful thoughts. These are what we call the sins uh, or sexual sins. Is there a sexual sin in your home? Is there a sexual sin in your life? Adultery, fornication, sex outside of marriage? These things have to be put out. Nobody said amen. These things have to be put out. Because if you don't put them out, you're going to end up far away from the promised land. You're going to end up at the Hong Kong Garden or something else. Come on, somebody. God wants you in Eden. Sexual immorality, adultery, fornication. Sex outside of marriage, impure thoughts, lustful thoughts are works of the flesh. And they're dividing you and keeping you out of the promised land. Then he goes into emotional sins, or pardon, into religious sins. And we might say, well, I don't have any problem with that immorality stuff. But here's another list. God says these are religious sins, idolatry and witchcraft. Idolatry is putting anything or any person above God. It's a work of the flesh. Witchcraft. You say, Pastor, I don't have any problem with witchcraft. I don't play Ouija board. I don't. I don't go have my palm read. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't have any any uh, brujas on my uh, caller uh, ID. I don't have any of that. But here is another factor that the Bible tells us that witchcraft is two things. It's drug use. Using drugs. To manipulate your mind to get a high, it's witchcraft. Oh, America is addicted to painkillers and other such medications, and God says that's witchcraft. It's destroying your mind. Say Amen, somebody witchcraft is also manipulation. Getting your way by, by manipulating people and emotions. God says, put it out. He doesn't need the strategies of the world to accomplish his will. We're your family. Say amen, somebody. You say, well, pastor, I don't have any problem with those religious sins. But then there's emotional sins. And these include enmities, strife. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, divisions, clicks, envy. These are emotional sins, things that go on in the heart. Maybe nobody sees it or knows it. And some of these words may be hard to understand in our modern English, but enmities, it, it talks about the, the likes and the dislikes. I don't like that person. I don't like those people. It creates division. It's hard to get along with. Anybody in here hard to get along with? Don't raise your hand. Hard to get along with. Can never be pleased. Can never be satisfied. Strife. Outbursts of anger. These things are emotional sins. And God says you need to cast them out. Who's going to cast them out? You're going to cast them out. Say amen, somebody. Listen, if Sarah brought them in, Sarah can kick them out. And then he goes to the next part of the list, and he talks about the pleasures of sin, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Partying. Satisfying the lustful pleasures of the flesh. These things will keep you out of the promised land. Every last one is a hagar in your life. Every last one is a haggar to your family. And unless you kick it out of your family, it's going to reap fruit. And bear fruit is going to be hard to live with. But this morning, God is calling to the family. And he says, I want to get those things out of your life. I want to get those things out of your home. And you're the one that has to do it. You're the one that has to make the decision. I can't make it for you. You have to make the decision. Today is the day that God is calling out to you and he says, hey, you're settling. Don't settle here. Don't stay in this place. There's more. There are greater things. Greater things for your family. Greater things for your marriage. Greater things for your life. Greater things for your career. Don't settle here because of emotional baggage and because of the pain of yesterday. God wants you to say, God wants you to say, I'm going forward. I'm moving onward. God is calling out to you and he's saying, hey, you have a blind spot. You can't see it, but, but I can see it. And it's blocking you from seeing what I want to do in your life. It's blocking you from hearing my voice. And I want to heal it this morning. I want to get it out of your life so that you can be all that I have created you to be. And possess all that I have designed for you to possess. God is calling to you this morning. And he's saying it's time to cast out the bondwoman and her son. It's time to kick out the flesh and its fruit. Come on, somebody. It's time to get rid of those things that are hindering you from entering into the blessing Of God. Because you don't have time to waste. Today is a day of freedom. A day for deliverance. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, I want you to just work work through this with me real quick. Real simply. First of all, you have to humble yourself before God. And say, God, I don't know everything. Teach me. Show me what to do. When you lay down your tools and you can let God pick up his tools, some real change can happen in your life. I mean, real change. The next thing you have to do is be completely honest with God. You know how hard it is for people to just be completely honest with God? God already knows. But we think he doesn't. Or we act like he doesn't. He knows. So he wants you this morning to just be completely honest with him. And say, Lord, what am I doing wrong? What's hindering me? What's stopping me? What's discouraging me? Lord, these are the things I'm carrying around in my life. and They're real. And they're destructive in my life. And when you're honest with God, when you confess to him what's really going on in your heart, he can work. You see, because as long as you're hiding it, as long as it's in the dark, it can't be healed. It's got to be brought into the light. When you bring it into the light, you say, Lord, this is what's going on in my life. And you confess it to him, he'll come and he'll heal that wound. He'll heal that place that's broken in your life. But it requires confession. The Bible tells us to do two things. It says confess your sin to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Then it says confess your faults to one another that you may be healed. There's healing when you confess. David said in the Psalms, when I did not confess, there was rottenness in my bones. God already knows. You might as well know that he knows and tell him, Lord, this is what's really going on in my marriage. This is what's really going on in my family. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't hide it anymore. This is what's going on. And when when you are honest with him and confess to him, you can be healed. The next thing you must do is repent. Repent for settling. Say, God, I'm sorry. I've been settling for less than the best that you have for me. Repent for the blind spots. Repent for not having the vision that you need. And for not giving him access to your eyes and to your spiritual life. And uh, and when you repent, you're renouncing that. You repent for Hagar. You say, God, I repent for the, the sinful, fleshly decisions I've made. And I renounce them. I shut the door to that thing. I'm going to cast out this bondwoman and her son. I'm going to cast out the flesh and every dependence that I may have upon it. And when you repent, the Bible said God is ready. God is ready. He stands ready to forgive. He stands ready to receive you. The next thing you need to do is you need to forgive others. If there's any resentment, brokenness, hurt in your life, things that you have carried around that you have been hindered by, God says it's time to let it go. It's time to forgive, but you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. I don't know, but God knows. And while you're sitting there on your front porch sipping the poison of resentment, they're out on a cruise enjoying lemon tea. They don't know anything about this. Today, God wants to set you free. From every form of resentment. Because that T belongs to you. Say about somebody. That cruise belongs to you. Don't let anything keep you out. So bring forgiveness into that situation. You have the power to do it, Sarah. Don't wait for them. You do it. Right now, in your heart, you can do that. You can let it go. You're releasing them of the, of the debt that they owe to you. And when you do that, God stands behind you to support you, to strengthen you, to give you the grace to forgive and to be healed. And then the last thing you do is you call on the name of the Lord. Call on God. You say, God, I am in need of you. And I invoke your name right now because your name is a strong tower. And a mighty defense. And I call on your name. Friend, when you call on the name of Jesus, there's power in that name. I said there is power in that name. The Bible said the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. And the Bible also says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued. God wants to rescue you right now as you call on his name. As you call on him, he's going to save, he's going to deliver, he's going to rescue, he's going to heal. But you have to call on him. He says, call and I will answer. Call and I will answer. There's no voicemail here. You call on God this morning, he'll answer you. That's the guarantee of his word. All right, are you ready to do business with God? Are you ready to do business with God? Are you ready to be honest? Right where you are, I want you to bow your head. We're going to have an honest conversation with God. Humble yourself before him. And just say, Lord, show me where I'm settling. Show me where I've settled, because I don't want to settle for anything less than your perfect will for my life, and you're going to hear him speak to you, he's going to bring things to your mind, let him speak, ask him, Lord, are there any blind spots? Show me the blind spots. Tell him, Lord, I repent for everything that my flesh has been doing to try to make up for depending on you. Show me every place in my life where I'm depending on my flesh. Every sinful practice, every evil deed, every impure thought. Show me, Lord, so that I can cast it out this morning. Now, as you hear Him bring those things to your heart, I want you to begin to repent for them. Right where you are, just tell Him, Lord, I repent. And I renounce, I repent for unbelief, I repent for fear, I repent from worry, I repent from idolatry, I repent from resentment, I repent from drunkenness, I repent from drug use. Come on, every single thing, you just start repenting before God, whatever it is, renounce it. In the name of Jesus, confess it and renounce it. Now, if there's anybody you need to forgive, make that decision right now in prayer. Keep your head bowed. This is a prayer time. God's talking to your heart. Don't worry about the person next to you. Repent for unforgiveness and just say, Lord, I begin to repent. And call that person's name. They may be dead. They may be in the grave. But you call that person's name. Just tell them, God, I forgive this person. I forgive that man. I forgive that woman. I release them from the debt they owe to me. Healing is coming to your hearts right now. The Bible said that Terah died and Abraham went on to the promised land. Right now, every voice that is not the voice of God is going to die. I declare it so in Jesus' name. Shut up, devil. You have no power or authority in the life of God's people. I take authority over every thought, every mindset, every hostile spirit against the voice of God. I silence you now in Jesus' name. Every dependence upon the voice that is not the voice of God dies right now. In Jesus' name. I speak to every lot. I speak to every blind spot. Be healed in Jesus' name. Healing comes because of the light of the word of God. Right now, receive healing. Receive healing. Receive restoration. In Jesus' name. Almighty God, I come against the works of the flesh. Hagar, I cast you out right now in Jesus' name. Come on, cast her out. Cast her out. Cast out every dependence upon the flesh. Every yoke of bondage. You made the problem but you can fix it right now if you will cast it out in the name of Jesus. There's freedom, the deliverance in this house.